Oklahoma visiting uh, her Grammy with her sister. They're supposed to do that a couple weeks ago, but then her sister got sick, so they had to postpone it uh, to this weekend. Uh, so since Friday morning, it's just been just Ezra and I. And I got to say, I got to brag on myself a bit. He's had his diaper change since. He's had a clothes change. He's had a bottle. And he's had food. Just since Friday morning. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I consider that a win. Yes. Yes, he's had a bottle. Yes, a win, a win. <laughs> and some further good news, he only stuck his hand in the toilet once since Friday morning. <laughs> Last night, uh, as I was putting him to bed, I was uh, filling up his humidifier. I got a clear order for my wife to fill up his humidifier before I put him to bed. So I was on top of my game. I filled up his humidifier because he gets uh, his, it's just really dry when we don't put it on. And so I walked to the bathroom to uh, fill up the humidifier. And he followed me. And our, ba- our bathroom and his bedroom are right next to each other. And so I go back, just put it on back where the humidifier belongs, 10 seconds. And within that 10 seconds, He's playing with his rubber ducky in the toilet. I was like, man, you're killing me, man. You're going to get me in trouble. Jamie, she, she was not very impressed uh, with that when I told her. Yeah, yeah, this, this is for the whole world to see now what, what a lousy uh, father I am. Uh, and it's been a crazy morning uh, this morning as well. We had plumbing issues on top of all of it. So I had our kitchen sink made a huge mess. I had to clean that on top of getting Ezra ready for the morning. He's been crabby. Uh, so it's been a wild, wild time since Friday morning. Uh, we can appreciate all that uh, mothers do. Um, as, yes, amen. Um, as I can tell you, God did not design me to be a single father. Um, so praise God for Jamie. If something were to happen to Jamie, I don't know what Ezra and I uh, would do. You guys would have to uh, watch out for us. Uh, make sure he's getting his diaper changed and getting a bottle, uh, maybe more than one bottle too. <laughs> and so as we talk about our family, I reminded of Paul's analogy of the church family and how there's many members but one body and we all serve a different function. I don't know about your family, but that's certainly how our family runs. We, we, Jamie and I, we have our clear roles and she's kind of the oil that makes it all run smoothly. That's certainly not me, but I imagine a lot of your families are run very similar. You guys have your clear roles, and it's very similar to the church family. We we all can't have the same job. Uh, We can't all be teachers. We can't all be preachers. We can't all um, clean the church, work on the church, the the, the church building. We all have our functions as a church, and uh, it's just a beautiful design that God has of a family and of a church family. And so today, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about the kingdom, the kingdom. Each year around Easter time, I like to focus on the gospel message, kind of uh, recenter ourselves, refocus on, uh, on the good news that we have as Christians. As we throw around that word gospel, and again, we have to remember gospel simply means good news. So we're just talking about the good news. And I think you can break down the gospel message, the good news, into three different sections. I think you can break it down into the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. And the cross and the resurrection, they, they kind of get highlighted a lot uh, during the good 
Good Friday service and uh, Easter service. Um, and so we'll talk extensively about those in, in, in a couple of weeks. And so today, I just wanted to focus on the kingdom, the other core piece of the good news that we have. You might even say it's the heart of the good news that we have as Christians. If we were to go around and ask every single Christian throughout the world, I would bet you that nearly every single uh, one of those people that we ask, I, I would bet they would almost all say that our gospel message needs to be revolved around the message that Jesus preached as well. I think you'd get a near unanimous answer there that, yes, we need to reflect the message of Jesus. Can, can we all agree with that in here? Yes, I, I think so. We need to reflect the message of Jesus. And so the problem becomes is that a lot of Christians throughout the world, their message is not revolved around the message that Jesus preached, unfortunately. And that's because, it's a, it's a simple reason, that's because they are not talking about the kingdom. A lot of people are not talking about the kingdom. It's becoming more and more popular. We're, we're kind of like on an exponential curve. We're, we're working our way up there. More and more people are talking about it. But we have a lot. We, we have a long way to go. And we can see, if we look through the scriptures, that the kingdom... It was truly at the heart of the message that Jesus preached. And, and we've talked about this uh, the, the past couple of years as well, uh, uh, showing, talking about the message that Jesus preached, talking about the message uh, of those close to Jesus as well. And when you take a look at their messages, they all revolved around the kingdom of God. And so today I just want to take a couple of minutes and, and, and kind of going through a rundown of a checklist uh, of verses that support the idea that Jesus' main message was about the kingdom. And so if you take notes, I'd encourage you to, to take notes of, the, of these verses. We're not going to take the time uh, to read these verses as we're going to have a, a lot later on. And these are all verses that, that we've all looked to um, last year and the year before as well. But, but if you can kind of memorize th these verses or highlight them in your Bibles or if you take notes, kind of uh, write a sequence of these verses, these verses I think effectively show that at the heart of Jesus' message, at the heart uh, of those who are close to Jesus, well, the heart was the kingdom of God. And so in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, again, we're not going to read these verses. They're for reference, though, for you guys to take a look at later. But in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus. And how does John the Baptist prepare the way for Jesus? He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist, he preached about the kingdom to prepare the way for Jesus. So that's Matthew chapter three, verses one and two. Matthew chapter four, verse 17, states that from that time, Jesus began to preach about the kingdom. And to give you guys an idea, Matthew chapter four, that's at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. That, that, that was right after he was tempted by the devil and, and he's just starting his ministry. And it says, from that time, Jesus preached about the kingdom. So from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was preaching about the kingdom. You know, when, when, if, if we were to ask a, a lot of people, a lot of Christians throughout the world, and we, had, and we would ask them, what did Jesus preach about? I would bet you that a lot of people would say, oh, he, he preached about his death and his resurrection, the, the, the cross and the resurrection. I, I, I would bet those would be pretty common answers. But in Matthew chapter 16, 21, it states that Jesus began 
Jesus began to teach his disciples, not, not, not even teaching the, the whole world, but he began to teach his disciples that he must die and on, the, uh, and on the third day be raised. And so Matthew chapter 16, that's about two-thirds the way into the book. So, so we can assume about, probably even closer to the end than, than two-thirds the way into his ministry. He didn't start preaching about his death and resurrection until then. So that tells me that, that his death and resurrection really wasn't at the heart of what he was teaching. Rather, he was teaching about the kingdom from the very beginning. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 7, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples and he instructs his disciples to preach about the kingdom. As they go and do the work of the Lord and healing and casting out these demons and all these other things, Jesus instructs them clearly they have to preach about the kingdom. And so we could see that, that this kingdom message was so important to Jesus. It was important to John the Baptist as he prepared the way for Jesus. And it's important for the disciples, the, the, the people whom Jesus instructed as well. And so we have those verses, and I really think you can make the point with just one single verse. And we are going to read that verse. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 it reads, but he said to them, so this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus says, I must preach the message of the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's why I was sent. I was sent for this purpose. The, those are pretty strong words. Back at the Bible College, uh, a professor there, Anthony Buzzard, some of you guys may be familiar with Anthony Buzzard, uh, he has what's called refrigerator verses. He actually has probably about 100 refrigerator verses that you got to hang on to your refrigerator because you got to be seeing these verses time and time again. And let me tell you, Luke chapter 4, verse, 30, verse 43, that is a refrigerator verse that you got to hang up on your refrigerator as we all hang little magnets uh, on our refrigerator. So he says, hang this up on your refrigerator. Jesus saying, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And so I think you can make a pretty strong argument that the kingdom was at the heart of Jesus' message just with this one verse. But when you look at passages like Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, John the Baptist preaching about the kingdom, prepared the way for Jesus, Jesus preaching about the kingdom from the very beginning of his ministry, then Jesus uh, instructing his disciples to preach about the kingdom as well, I think the evidence is incredible. I don't think you, you can reject the fact that the kingdom was at the heart of the message of Jesus and those close to him. And we could spend all service and more talking about the other verses in which Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Um, I know in the midweek service uh, class with John with the adults, they're going through uh, the different parables that Jesus taught. And, and, and many, many of those parables are about none other than the kingdom. And so a lot of you guys, you, you are learning the, these different short, short stories about the kingdom because that was at the heart of the message that Jesus preached throughout his ministry. And so I don't know how so many people miss this message. How do so many Christians miss this message of the kingdom? Because I love to talk about the kingdom. We talk a lot about the kingdom in here because that's what Jesus talked about. But man, it is not talked about enough. And I ask myself why, and I have no idea why this is not taking place. 
Well, I kind of do. I, I have a rough idea. And I think that's people are not reading the Bible for themselves. They just take other people's words for it. And let me tell you, that is so, so dangerous. You should never just take someone's word and run with it. You, you should never just take my word for it because I'm the preacher. I don't have all the answers. You need to study the, the, the Bible. You need to study the scripture for yourself and either approve of, of what I'm saying or, or neglect, reject the, the words that I'm saying up here. You should never just trust what other people say to you. You, you need to seek it out for yourself. We need to meditate on the word day and night. And I think, this is, this is, I think this is the main reason as to why the message of the kingdom is not being talked a whole lot about in Christian circles worldwide. Now, again, I'm encouraged because, again, more and more people are talking about the kingdom. Year, year by year, more and more people are talking about it. When, when, when you go on different Christian articles, when you read different Christian books, uh, more and more people are, are writing about the kingdom. And I am so encouraged that because I think we are going back to the message that Jesus preached. And again, I bet if you asked every Christian worldwide, I bet nearly every single one of them would say that we need to preach the message that Jesus preached. And that's the message, the good news, the gospel message of the kingdom. So it's an important message. The, the kingdom is an important message. But, but what exactly is the kingdom? We, 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 haven't, we haven't talked much uh, about that. We haven't talked that at all uh, today about what exactly is the kingdom. So we know that, that it was at the heart of Jesus' message and those close to him. We, we know that it's a part of our vision statement as a church, our vision as a church, our purpose as a church. It's to grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. So we know it's important to Jesus. We know it's important to us as a church. But what exactly is the kingdom? And I would say the kingdom is the future hope that we have as Christians, you, 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 want a, you want a one-line summary of the kingdom, and that is the kingdom is where everything wrong with this world will be made right. I think that that's, that's a pretty effective one-line summary of the kingdom, where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. So if you were talking to someone, a, a Christian, uh, outside of this church, they had no idea what the kingdom was, you could tell them, well, hey, it's where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. That includes things like death. That includes things like sickness and pain and tears and mourning and crying and division. All that is going to be made right in God's coming kingdom. It's going to be a never-ending, perfect celebration. As Jesus right now, he is sitting at the right hand of God. But when God tells him it's time, Jesus is going to descend from the right hand of God. He's going to come to this earth and he's going to establish God's kingdom here on this earth. And Jesus also teaches us throughout his ministry that not everybody, unfortunately, is going to partake in that kingdom. Jesus actually tells us that, that more people uh, are, are not going to partake in, in the kingdom. Instead, they, they're going to be destroyed forever. Only a select few are going to be a part of God's kingdom. And that, that the select few are the people who have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus. And so if we have a living and active faith throughout our lives in God and his son Jesus, then I'm telling you, you will partake in God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. 
And so that is a very quick, a very rude summary of the kingdom. Everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. A perfect, never-ending celebration. And so this morning, I really want to kind of spend the bulk of our time uh, talking about one uh, minor detail about the kingdom. And, and the minor detail that I want to focus on this morning is the location. I want to highlight the location of the kingdom. Because contrary to, to popular belief, I, I think the Bible expresses to us, I think the Bible tells us that the kingdom will be on earth. And, and, and that, that's kind of a notion that, that may throw some people off guard um, as it's popular notion that we'll spend an eternity um, in heaven. Let me tell you, that, that is a very comforting thought. That's a very comforting thought that we will spend an eternity uh, in, in heaven. But let me tell you, spending an eternity on God's kingdom on earth is just as comforting, if not more comforting. And so my purpose today, I, I, I don't want to discourage anybody today and say, oh, Kyle's uh, kind of, uh, you know, talking poorly uh, about a, a lot of people's uh, thoughts and ideas of what takes place after death. That, that, that's not my purpose. I hope nobody comes out of this message discouraged because I think the, the, the hope that we have of the kingdom of God on earth is just as comforting, if not, I would say, personally, I would say it is more comforting than and the idea of spending an eternity in heaven. N.T. Wright, uh, one of the most famous uh, New Testament uh, scholars said, uh, this is a quote, the early Christians did not focus much attention on the question of what happened to people immediately after they died. They were much more concerned with the kingdom of God. What mattered was the restoration of the whole creation. If we were to scour the first century for people who are hoping that their souls would leave the present material world behind and go to heaven, we would discover Platonists like Plutarch, not Christians like Paul. So this is, this is pretty cool for me to, to read uh, from N.T. Wright, again, one of the most uh, well-known New Testament scholars. And he said, if you looked at the first century, the, the, the people right after Jesus, and you looked for people who were talking about our souls uh, going to heaven, he says you wouldn't find the Christians talking about this. Rather, you, you, you would discover uh, the philosophers, the, the, the Platonists, like Plutarch, talking about our souls going to heaven. Because the Christians, they, they weren't really too worried in the first century what happened immediately after death. Instead, they worried about or concerned about the kingdom of God. They're focused on, on, on our hope of the return of Jesus. Uh, N.T. Wright says that the restoration of the whole creation. In other words, where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. And I find that pretty encouraging, pretty cool, again, to the, one of the most famous New Testament scholars to be saying this, kind of supporting this, this notion of the kingdom, that it needs to be at the heart of our ministry, and that this kingdom, not, not taking place in heaven necessarily, but, but taking place here on earth. And so this morning, we're, we have uh, 10 passages uh, for you all that we're going to, I know some of you guys think, 10 passages? I know Ben, ben, ben was over there when I gave him the list of verses, like, man, uh, there's a lot of verses. Brian said, yeah, he's got to make up for the past six weeks when he used like two verses during uh, the whole series uh, talking about uh, the atomic habits. And you're right on, Brian. I do need to make up there. Um, so we're going to run through these very briefly. I'm not even going to take the time to flip through them uh, in um, 
my Bible, I have um, them recorded here. Ben has uh, the verses uh, recorded as well. But, but here are 10 passages that I think effectively show that our hope of the kingdom takes place here on the earth. And so we'll start off with the first one, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. Isaiah 45, verse 18 reads, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it, he established it. He did not create it empty, he, inf- he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. So here in Isaiah 45, 18, uh, the, uh, the, the author Isaiah says that God made the earth not to be empty, but God made the earth to be inhabited. That was the purpose of the earth. You know, we, we often have to focus on why. Start with why, that, this book Simon Sinek wrote, Purpose-Driven Life, Purpose-Driven Church. You know, a lot of people are focusing on the why, on the purpose. And the purpose of the earth that God created, the purpose of it was to be inhabited. It was not created to be empty. And so again, as we're going through these passages, again, I'd encourage you to either uh, write these, uh, take notes on them, or you can take notes on your phone. I take notes on my phone a lot. Uh, you can highlight them, underline them uh, in your Bible. Th- these are all effective verses to show that our hope of the kingdom takes place here on the earth. So first one, Isaiah 45, 18. Passage number two, Genesis chapter 13, verse 15. And, and this is part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And so in this covenant that God made to Abraham, God said, for all the land that you see, Abraham, I will give to you and your offspring forever. And so the land that that God promised Abraham, it was a land that that Abraham's offspring was going to inhabit for a couple hundred years. No, 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 it wasn't for a couple hundred years. It's a land that the people will inherit forever. Let me tell you, nothing in this life lasts forever. Whenever we talk about something that lasts forever, we should immediately think about our future hope, as our future hope is eternal. We will have eternal life. And in that, that, that age to come, that hope of the kingdom, it says, uh, or, or God says here in, in, in Genesis chapter 13 through uh, verse 15, when he's talking to Abraham, he says that your offspring will inherit this land forever. Not just until Christ returns, but forever, before, during, and after the return of Christ. And Galatians chapter 3 is encouraging because Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, tells us that those who belong to Christ are heirs of Abraham's promise. So this promise that God made to Abraham, we're heirs of that promise. We, We are part of that promise. So when God says, Abraham, your offspring is going to inherit this land forever, Guess what? God's talking about you. God's talking about you here. That's pretty cool. God is talking about you and how you will inherit this land forever if you are part of God's coming kingdom. So that's passage number two. Passage number three, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 26 through 28. And it reads, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them. And will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. And so again, when, when we see something that lasts forever, we, a light bulb needs to go off and we need to think they were talking about the age to come, our hope of the kingdom. 
And God said, this is a covenant that God is making, and God says, and I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst. So again, God is saying, he's talking about a land that, that, that we're going to inherit. We're going to inherit a land, not, not necessarily um, spending time in, in the clouds and the heavens, but we're going to inherit a physical piece of land. And it's awesome because God says, God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And he says, my dwelling place shall be with them. So God himself is going to dwell with us on the earth. If that doesn't pump you up, I, I, I don't know what, it, what, what will. Because God himself is going to live with us in, in his coming kingdom here on earth. This is an everlasting covenant that God is making with his people. Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 reads, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. So this is, this is a messianic psalm. This is a psalm about the coming Messiah. Again, Messiah just means anointed one, the chosen one of God, and we know the Messiah to be Jesus. So here the, the psalmist is talking about Jesus, and God is telling his son, his Messiah, um, that uh, I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. So Jesus, when he comes back down to earth to, to establish God's kingdom, God is going to make the ends of the earth his possession. And, and we know this didn't take place 2,000 years ago uh, when, when Jesus was born on this earth. As Jesus, back then, he, he did not possess the, the ends of the earth. Rather, he, 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 was, a hum, he was a humble king uh, of the, the Jews, of the Israelites, and they didn't even accept him as their king. They crucified him because they didn't want him to be their king. But, but God says to Jesus that, hey, I'm going to make the ends of the earth your possession. And so Jesus, he's going to be the king uh, of the kingdom. He's going to be the one to establish God's kingdom here on earth, and God is going to give the ends of the earth to his son Jesus. Next passage, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 reads, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteous in the land. So again, we're talking about Jesus here, uh, raised up for David, a righteous branch. We know that Jesus, he is an offspring of King David. And, and, and God says that this offspring uh, of King David, he will reign as king and deal wisely and execute justice and righteous in the land. In the land, Jesus will execute this justice and righteousness. And again, Jesus didn't execute justice 2,000 years ago. You, you can't use the argument that Jesus did this back in his earthly ministry 2,000 years ago because he didn't execute justice. He didn't judge the world for, for their deeds. Instead, Jesus is going to do that in the age to come. Before the, the kingdom is fully established, Jesus is going to execute justice and righteousness. Where? Well, according to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, it's going to take place in the land. 
Micah chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, you guys are doing good. Uh, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. We're about halfway through there. Uh, stick with me. Micah chapter 4, verse 1 reads, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. So here in the, in the book of Micah, we're, we're talking about the latter days. Or, or you may hear uh, the, the age to come, a term that I've referred to a couple of times this morning. The latter days, the age to come, basically the, the, the days that aren't present. It's a different era in the future. And it says, in those latter days, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills and people shall flow to it. And so God is going to uh, establish his mountain, the Mount Zion, and, and the people are going to congregate at this mountain of the house of the Lord. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. Reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and, he'll sh and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so we're kind of following a, sim a similar theme here where we're talking about Jesus again as Jesus was the one uh, who uh, came to them uh, uh, humble and mounted on a donkey. We know that. We're, we'll, we'll be talking about that on Palm Sunday, an awesome story there, our humble king. But, but Jesus, he didn't possess the ends of the earth then and there. Instead, in, in the age to come, Jesus is going to possess the ends of the earth. So again, we see a prophecy of Jesus ruling to the ends of the earth. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9 reads, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. So here, this is talking about God and how God is going to be king over all the earth. Because yes, Jesus is king, but Jesus, he's submissive to God. So in the end, God, God is going to be the ultimate king. Jesus is going to hand the kingdom over to his heavenly father, Yahweh. And God is going to be king over all, what? The earth. And on that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. And we have to point out, this is future tense that they're talking about. It's that the Lord will be king over the earth. He's not talking about the, the, the present right now that the Lord is the king over all the earth, but the Lord will be king over all the earth. Two more, last two, take place in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse two reads, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is part of my favorite passage on the kingdom, and it's talking here about the holy city, the holy city of Jerusalem that God is preparing for us. And it says that this holy city of Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven. So it's coming from heaven. That means it's not taking place in heaven, but it's coming from heaven as God is preparing that place for us, God's preparing that room for us, and it's coming down from or out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the holy city of Jerusalem is going to descend from heaven to the earth. 
What a glorious, glorious sight that will be. The last verse that we'll cover here uh, this morning in, in regards to the location of the kingdom is Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. And it reads, And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. They shall reign on the earth. And here, we, we, if you look at the context here, he's talking about us again. They're talking about the righteous children of God and how we are going to be made a kingdom. We're going to be made priests to God and we are going to reign. We're going to rule on the earth. What an awesome hope that we have as Christians. The hope of the kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. You know, a lot, a lot of us suffered a lot of heartbreak this past year. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us ha- have lost coworkers, friends. There's been a lot wrong in the world just in this past year. But let me tell you, there is a day that is coming For everything that is wrong with this world, it is going to be made right. We are going to be united with God as God says that he is going to dwell with us. We're going to be united with uh, with our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as, as Jesus is going to be the one to establish God's kingdom here on earth. We're going to be united with, with our other loved ones, our other church brothers and, and sisters in Christ who devoted their life to God. We're going to spend an eternity with them in the kingdom of God that takes place here on earth. And so again, my, my purpose in, in going through the, these 10 passages and talking about the location of the kingdom, my purpose is not to, dis- to disappoint you guys. It's not to discourage you guys. On, on the contrary, it should be an encouragement as we have a wonderful, wonderful hope. It's comforting for for me to to know that our loved ones who have passed away, that they are resting, and and they are awaiting the return of Jesus for Jesus to establish his kingdom, or God's kingdom, here on earth. This is the good news. This is the good news when we look through the Gospels. This is the good news that Jesus preached to those around him, to his disciples, and to the crowds. And this is the gospel message that we need to be preaching and teaching about as well, be talking with our friends about, our family, our coworkers, our teachers, friends at school, whatever it may be. This is good news, and good news is meant to be shared with others. And this good news is only possible because... You guessed it, because of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God is is a just God who believes in justice, and the wages of sin is death. So naturally, none of us have a part in this good news of the kingdom. But because of the sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus if we accept that sacrifice with the living and active faith, then we can be a part of that kingdom. 
And let me tell you, it would be my great joy to be united with you all on the day Christ descends from heaven to earth to establish his Father's kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, uh, verses 14 uh, through 20 here. This is uh, the Lord's Supper, the last supper that Jesus has with his disciples. And it reads, And when the hour had come, he reclined Jesus at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, it's a new covenant in my blood. And so today we, we can focus on this good news of the kingdom because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Because this bread that, that we are partaking in, this bread represents the body of Jesus being broken for us. And this cup that, that we partake in together as brothers and sisters in Christ, this cup represents the blood of Jesus being poured out for each and every one of us. And Jesus, as he, as he took a part of that bread and that cup on that last supper, he says, my disciples, my friends, my brothers, I will not partake of this bread. I will not partake of this cup again until the kingdom of God, and we will partake together with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and pray over the bread. Father, I thank you for uh, sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Father, this morning we recognize that this good news of the kingdom is all for naught if it weren't for the sacrifice of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, it's my prayer this morning that we do not take this sacrifice lightly, but we take it for what it's worth, entrance to your coming kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Open the top slip. We have the cup here, or, or the bread, and this bread represents the body of Jesus being broken for you and I. Let's partake together. Just like the bread represents Jesus' body, this cup represents the blood of Jesus as well. And I long for the day where we will partake of the cup together with Jesus in his coming kingdom. Let's pray over this cup. Father, I thank you for the blood of your precious, precious son, Jesus, that was poured out on our behalf. 
Father, we long for the day in which we can drink of this cup together with you and with your son, Jesus, anew in your coming kingdom. Father, we love you. We love your son. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. I can open my cup here. That would be great. There we go. So this cup represents the blood of Jesus being poured out for us. And I hope you're able to open your cup. Let's partake together. Let's pray to our Heavenly Father. Father God, we thank you. Father God, we love you. Father God, we long for the day where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. And Father, I pray that this hope, that this good news brings us joy in our life. I pray that this good news, it brings us a drive and determination to share it with everyone that we come into contact with. As Father, this good news that you gave to us is to be shared with others. And I pray that you drive us on a daily basis to do just that so that we as a church can expand your coming kingdom. Father, we love you. We love your son. And we long to be united with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.